stare at the same ones every time they visit. He's not sure why. After all, they never change. He notices a new exhibit in the corner. Approaching it, he notices the amount of security. A guard has been standing by it the entire time. The paper is encased behind 12 inches of glass. The boy stands on his toes and peers down into the document. The document reads, Bill Quickfeet's Quick Feet. Act 1. My Man Bill. It was just another crappy day in the town of Hammington. The stink pits were full to the brim, the sorrow sack was plump and ripe, and the only scroll-o-vision channel that came through clearly was G4. So you know this place sucked. This particular day, though, was especially crappy. A storm cloud loomed over the area, dumping rain onto the cramped and flimsy apartment complex that stood at the center of town. Today was smack in the middle of the longest storm year Hammington had seen in centuries. The thunderclouds just sat over the town, dumping rain for days at a time. A figure peered out of the building through an open window. It was none other than our hero, Bill Quickfeet. He slumped onto his elbow, staring out into the city that he called home. Ugh, he moaned. He then slumped in his chair, his arms hanging near his feet. Ugh, he heaved. He again shifted his weight. This time he faced the seat of the chair as he draped his arms and head over the back. He took a deep breath. Ugh, he screamed. I'm so bored. Bill looked over his shoulder towards his new roommate. His old roommate had mysteriously disappeared in a freak blood orgy accident. Isn't there anything to do in this whole town? Bill questioned. His new roommate, Pazuzu, had started a fire beneath a large cauldron. Well, your bath is almost finished, Pazuzu said as he chopped carrots into the hot liquid. Pazuzu then began to laugh and snort so hard, snot started to run out of his enormous nose. Yeah, I guess. Bill began to look around the room solemnly his eyes fixed on his No Bikini Bottom magazine weekly calendar. He stared at the calendar. Miss Moontember was a centaur laying in a bowl of oats with two dwarves pouring milk on her. He couldn't help but think of Petite. <sighs> I'm tired of being a nobody, Bill said. Pazuzu looked up with his giant bright red eyes. You're not a nobody, Bill. Here, take a load off. Pazuzu gestured onto his large purple tongue. Bill slowly walked over to Pazuzu to sit, but then stopped. You know what? You're right, Paz. I'm not a nobody. I I'm awesome! Bill's fist clenched tightly as he swung open the door. Rain poured into the apartment. Bill's black hair stuck to his face as he stared into the sky. You hear that, world? I'm not the loser. You are! A crack of thunder shook Bill to his bones. Also... Pazuzu was cracking some fresh black pepper onto Bill's bony thigh. The elf stared into the heavens angrily. What do I have to do to show you? I'll prove to you that I'm somebody. Just then, Bill's No Bikini Bottom magazine weekly calendar was ripped off the wall by the ferocious wind and whisked into the sky. That's it, Bill exclaimed. It's so obvious now. Bill stepped out onto the slick railing of his balcony and with a mighty leap hurled his body onto the face of the apartment complex, his fingers gripping the shallow brick. The rain poured harder and harder as Bill scaled the building. Somebody! Somebody! 
He spoke with each grasp. When he reached the top of the building, he perched himself on the edge of the slick roof. He raised his open hands and shouted, People of Harrington, lend me your ears. I, Bill Quickfeet, am going to make it. Bill points into the sky. With that thunderstorm. Act 2. Did he just say what I think he said? Down at the Hammington Orphanage, Mother Superior rifles through an old duffel bag. Oh, there you are. She plucks a small wooden box out of the bag. Shaking, she slowly lifts the lid to reveal a dozen thick cigars. She lets out a sigh of relief. She steps into the playroom with the lit cigar in her mouth and the box underneath her arm. All right, kids, today we're going to learn about carcinogens. Mother Superior looks around the room. The cigar drops from her mouth and her eyes grow large. She stares around the empty room and then falls to her knees. It happened. I'm free. I'm free. Across town, Junko, the local slop server, beats a hammer against an old slop machine. Cats go in, slop comes out, says the wife, he says aloud. Slop is the only business not affected by the economy, says the wife. He throws his hammer across the shop and stares out the window. With a sigh, he presses his face against the glass. Then he hears something, a sound coming from down the long, lone street. He opens the door to his shop, and the noise gets louder. He notices the other business owners have stepped out into the street as well. He begins to see a figure rise over the hilly street. Bum, 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 bum. A small child carrying a dirty tuba. Bum, 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 bum. As the child becomes clear, he sees another child following the tuba player, then another, and another, until the street is filled with a sea of children. At the center of this mob is a tall, lean figure with black hair. At this point, everyone in the whole town are either on the street or peering out of their windows. Bum, 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 bum. The children fill the area as they begin to march in place. Then the children begin to sing. Gather round, all people come from deep inside your homes. Bill's here to stick his lightning rod between God's thunderdomes. As the thundercloud appears, he'll approach it from the rear, and he'll make the fairest maiden out of her. And he'll make the fairest maiden out of her. I almost see it now, imagine Bill up in the clouds Something for which Hammington can finally be proud The lightning he'll enable to accept his power cable Did you know that he has no body hair? Not a patch of unsightly body hair as the mayor of this town, I must demand that this take place. It just makes sense, I mean, Bill giving it to Mother Nature. Bill, we can't wait no longer, thunderclap upon that donker, and we'll dedicate a statue to your perks. We will dedicate a statue to your perks. The crowd hoists Bill up on their shoulders as he's paraded around the town. Act 3. It's really going down. The day is finally here. After thousands of hours of child labor and countless lives lost, the contraption was built. A trebuchet the size of Hammington. It stretched from that spot where that Arby's used to be all the way to the outskirts of Porkington. The lights on the stage went out and a hush came over the crowd. 
one excited fan had the words, Bill Will Thrill, tattooed on his chest. His knees were pressed together in excitement, and he didn't have a lot of friends. Anyways, after the lights had been darkened for a moment, a sweet guitar riff began to play as the spotlight hit the stage. The light revealed five men on the stage. One of them was wearing a dare shirt. Two of them had frosted tips, and all of them slinging real emotion. It was the late 90s band Crazy Town playing their hit song, Butterfly. But then the spotlight slowly moved towards an empty spot on the stage, and an opening appeared. Rising out of the smoke was Bill Quickfeet. The crowd began to scream. Bill's head was lowered, and he was facing away from the audience. He was wearing a shirt that said, 420, 69, 24 7, 365,000! Bill ran up the trebuchet and raised his fists into the air. He sat in the sling of the great contraption, and the rain began to pour onto the crowd, as if the storm itself was objecting. The crowd began to chant, Five, four. The crowd's chanting, mixed with Crazy Town's insightful lyrics, gave Bill a bolt of adrenaline. Three, two. Bill sang to himself, Fierce nipple pierce, you got me sprung with your tongue ring. One. Immediately, Bill regrets every choice that led to this decision. The cheering and chanting instantly fades in the distance as he whips through the air like a bullet. His body is twisting and flailing as he attempts to gain some kind of stability. The cold air slices across his body. It seems his momentum hasn't decreased. He can feel his hair begin to freeze, then his fingers, and finally his eyes. Just, be just before his cornea can fully solidify, he feels a wave of heat. The spinning has begun to slow, and he can now take in what his eyes are seeing. He's quickly approaching a thundercloud, but his speed is beginning to quickly wane. He's not sure if he'll make it. Finally, he reaches the first cloud, and wham! He struck something hard. Even more strange than that, Bill feels ground beneath him. It's soft and spongy. Bill looks up to see a feminine figure. She's facing away from him, her shoulders up near her head, and her fists clenched tightly. Her skin appears to be made of a blue glass. Bill notices a brown paper bag lying on the ground. Next to it is a spilled container of coleslaw, some bananas, and an avocado that slowly rolls away from the bag before sinking into a hole and disappearing. The figure slowly turns around. The glass where her cheeks and forehead are are glowing red. She glares at Bill. Sparks begin to arc from her hand into the cloud on which they stand. Bill slowly stands up, maintaining eye contact. <clears throat> Hello, madam. My name is Bill. <laughs> Bill lets out a grunt as the woman throws her rock-hard fist into his gut. Bill forces himself to rise back up. The pain makes it hard for him to breathe, and so he speaks in a whispery voice. <sighs> Besides being sexy, what do you do for a living? <clears throat> the woman strikes him again this time sending him 30 feet onto his back. Bill clenches his chest and again stands up. You must be Jamaican, cause Jamaican me crazy. The woman growls as she runs over to Bill. She winds up and throws a haymaker towards Bill's head. Thud! Bill catches her fist under his arm. She's surprised. His head raises to meet her. Tell your boobs to stop looking in my eyes. It begins with a knee. But Bill shoves her off balance, then an elbow. Bill dodges. 
the woman throws an onslaught of kicks and punches, each one deflected masterfully by Bill. The combination ends with an especially wicked-looking spinning roundhouse. Bill leans back to avoid the kick and returns with his own flurry of attacks. The squatting dog, the old shepherd, the rumpus room, all of Bill's signature moves. At first she's surprised, but Bill quickly adapts, parrying each of the expertly timed attacks. Back and forth they fight, neither landing a blow, but then Bill makes a mistake. The old shepherd forgot to count his sheep. With a double palm blast, the woman strikes Bill square in the chest, sending him high into the air and into the old galvanized bucket factory. The woman approaches the hole that was made high in the wall. Looking for somebody? Bill's voice echoes from around the corner as he appears, now wearing a bucket on each limb, as well as one on his head. Bill strikes a karate pose as he screams. The two warriors run towards each other. Tung! Pang! Twang! The buckets give Bill the grace of a gazelle and the fighting capability of a bucket. Each strike lands as his bucketed limbs fly through the air. The woman is pushed further and further back as he struggles to stave off the intense offensive created by, the, by Bill's bucket fighting. Bill goes for a double bucket jump. Stomp. The woman is able to leap out of the way as Bill's feet get stuck in two bucket-sized holes in the cloudy ground. The woman shoves her hands into the ground as electricity courses through her glass skin like veins. She begins to glow with a blue light. Her arms and legs become more muscular, and a tattoo of Elvis Costello given two middle fingers appears on her thigh. Bill lifts the bucket to take a look. That's one bad chick. The woman launches herself towards Bill, crashing into him, shoulder first. The two fly across the landscape before finally colliding with an enormous rock. The impact sends Bill's buckets flying in every direction. Bill is pressed into a small crater on the side of the rock. The woman stands over him, her teeth clenched. Bill's bloody and beaten face begins to move. His lips come together and he presses his hand against them. Bill blows her a shaky kiss. Her face again glows bright red. She lifts him by his collar and stands him up. She raises her large arm over her head and strikes Bill to the ground. She again picks him up. He grabs his own cheek and speaks as his head bobs weakly. You know what material this is? Boyfriend material. With an uppercut, Bill is launched into the air and crashes through the base of the cloud. He can again feel the cold of the rain as he falls back to Hammington. The wind whips through his hair as he tumbles. He can see the woman staring from the black hole he created. Bill thinks to himself, I guess I'll just go back to my apartment. I guess I'll just go back to staring out my window. I guess I'll just go back to being a a nobody. Bill's eyes bolt open. No, I'm somebody, he shouts. Bill quickly pulls a red vial from his pocket. The wise man's medicine, he exclaims. Bill quickly drinks the liquid. He can feel his body repair itself. The bruises and broken bones return to normal. He even loses his third nipple which crumples up and falls off his body. I guess I'll see you boys on the other side, says the nipple to the others. But more than just repaired, Bill feels powerful. His muscles double in size, and a tattoo of Moby hitting Elvis Costello with a rolling pin appears on his lower back. Bill's body begins to emanate a red light. Bill stops midair as those cool sounds from Dragon Ball Z be around him and stuff. Bill clenches his fist and screams, I feel sexy. The woman gets on her knees as arcs of energy begin to envelop her whole body. 
In an instant, she propels herself towards Bill like a bullet, flying through the air. Bill does the same, leaving behind a trail of energy that reads, Fatties don't matty. Philosophers and scholars would debate its meaning for centuries. The two collide in a blur of motion. Techniques and maneuvers that hadn't been seen in eons were being utilized and improved upon at the speed of light. Each combatant was a blur of red and blue light. Occasionally, we could see the two swap sides, but we were unable to make out who was winning. The two began to fight faster and harder, glowing brighter and brighter. The fight became so powerful that their clothes began to melt away and fall to Hamilton below. Eventually, the red and blue lights began to spin around one another as the intensity grew. The fighting had moved past mere mortal combat and into the purest form of competition. Astral sex fighting. Their lovemaking was so intense that the white-hot sex plasma launched violently from them as they spun. One glob of plasma landed onto Junko's wife, who was complaining about the slot machine again. When it struck her, her skin melted off, leaving only a bare skeleton in her place. Then the skeleton started to twerk on Junko. You know, said Junko, I'm kinda into this. Another glob of plasma was flung onto Crazy Town, who in turn were transformed into Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, Chopin, and John Williams, and then sent to various time periods where they would spread the magic of music across the millennia. Another glob of plasma was shot all the way to Cedarwood, where it struck a small gnome and inspired him to invent racism. Yeah, not all the results were positive. The two lovers' light became brighter and brighter, eventually setting the town of Hamilton ablaze. Just before all the children who sang that song earlier to Bill were killed by the heat, the light disappeared. All the citizens of Hamilton were unable to see, both because of the harsh light that they had been presented before, but also from the, all the smoke of their flaming, cherished belongings. The story goes that a few hours later, a villager stumbled upon Bill, covered in broken glass and smoking a cigarette. When questioned, he said, quote, 9-11 was an inside job. Wow, said the small child, peering into the exhibit. Closing up, said a voice. The museum is closing up. The child stared in wonderment. He tugged on the hem of the security officer, watching over the exhibit. Is that a true story, mister? He questioned. The officer looked down at him. The officer removed his hat to reveal pointed ears and black hair. Yeah, kid, it is. Then the officer began to do the worm down four flights of stairs towards the exit. The child looked onward towards his future, knowing his life would never be the same.